fall festivals are behind us. And this Shabbat, we begin reading Torah. <laughs> oh, thank God, yes. Yay! <laughs> uh, and we begin reading Torah, as I said at the beginning of services, all over again with Parashat Bereshit. Bereshit is a dense Torah portion with two creation stories, the expulsion of Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden, the first murder, and finally, the prelude to the story of Noah, where God decides to destroy all the world, except for Noah and his family and two of every kind of living creature. Without a doubt, though, my favorite part of Bereshit, the section I return to again and again, is the end of chapter one, the sixth day of creation, when God creates human beings. Vayivra Elohim et ha'adam b'tzalmo, b'tzalem Elohim, so God created man in his own, God's own image. In the image of God, God created them. Male and female, God created them. From this section of text, we get that very Jewish concept of B'Tselem Elohim, the idea that human beings are created in the image of God. And of course, since we don't know what God's actual physical self is, we human beings never cease to wonder what exactly this is supposed to mean. Of all the commentaries on this verse, the teaching from the Mishnah Sanhedrin 37a is my favorite because even though it is quite old, it speaks to a truth we need to hear now more than ever. Mishnah Sanhedrin 37a has two parts that while they might at first reading seem unrelated, share a powerful connection. Part one, man was created on his own to teach you that whoever destroys one soul is regarded by the Torah as if he had destroyed a whole world. And whoever saves one soul is regarded as if he had saved a whole world. Part two, the greatness of the Holy One is thus demonstrated. For whereas when man prints many coins from one die, each one is a replica of the other, the Supreme King of Kings, the Holy One, blessed be he, stamped every man with the die of Adam, and yet no one exactly resembles his fellow. Therefore, every single person is obliged to say, the world was created for my sake. So raise your hand if you've heard of part one before, the world, you know, if you save a world, save a person, you save the world, you destroy, right? Right, it's very famous, especially if you watch Schindler's List, right? That was... I think brought it to international fame. Every human being is precious and worth saving, but the question we have to ask is why? It makes intuitive sense that the people that we love, that we feel are good and important, they of course should be saved. But what about people we know to have acted in hateful, even evil ways? What about those who have ca caused us personal harm? It doesn't matter, the rabbis insist, if we're all created in the image of God and or have some of God in us, it's our task to seek out that sliver of God's goodness in all. Because no matter who or what, by saving or destroying a life, we're either amplifying or minimizing God's presence in the world. This is what binds us together. This connection is what should make us all accountable to each other and for each other. We should be held accountable for the way we speak to each other and the way we listen, for the way we balance our own needs and the needs of others,
for the way we behave towards others, both in public and in private. The fate of humankind and the world as we know it are literally at stake, the rabbis believed. And because God gave us free will, God also gave us the ability to save or destroy, to protect or undermine that holy presence in the world. Even as we are instructed how to behave, God knows that in the end, it's going to be our choice. Hence, part two. We print coins from one die. They're all exactly the same. But God's... I'll just wait. That's fine. But God's power of creation are beyond. God created Adam and every human being after that, so we all come from that same stuff, B'Tselem, God's shadow or God's image. Underneath it all, we're all the same. Yet on the outside, we're all different. No two people look exactly alike. Sometimes it appears we are so different because of the color of our skin or our gender identities or our political opinions that we forget how God's selim, how God's shadow is part of us all. But even if we do remember to act in the image of God, because we can't see God or hear God, we're still left to wonder, what is it that God wants us to be? Early on in COVID times, as it was becoming clear that our kids would not be going back to school face to face, that the end of the school year would take place on a computer screen, I think we were all more than a little overwhelmed. A mom friend from my son Solomon's class and I were sharing what I like to call texts of lamentation. But we agreed that what we needed most were patience, compassion, and grace to see us through. A few days later, she rang my doorbell, handed me a little sign she had printed out with those very words. It's still hanging on the wall in my home office slash dining room patience, compassion, and grace. I look at it and contemplate its truth every day. There are certainly many ways to fulfill the ideal of being created in the image of God, but these resonated then and they resonate still. It's not that dissimilar to how Moses describes God in chapter 34 of Exodus after carving the second pair of tablets. Adonai, Adonai, El-Rachum v'chanun, Erech, Alpayim, Barav Chesed Ve'emet, Adonai, Adonai, a God compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in kindness and faithfulness. And if this is what Moses wants God to be, it would stand to reason that God in turn wants us also to be compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in kindness and faithfulness. There is not enough kindness in the world right now, and maybe there never has been. But this week, as the political culture wars rage around us, and people wait in line to vote for hours on end, when we read about the creation of the world and understand that God created us bitsalmo in the image, we have to recommit ourselves to try. Which brings us to the last statement of part two of this Mishnaic passage. Every single person is obliged to say, the world was created for my sake. I suppose we could read this statement as completely self-serving, but that is most definitely not the point. If something is made for your sake, it is meant to be something you treasure and protect. If something is made for your sake, you're supposed to show gratitude and appreciation, 
to the one who created it for you. And if someone is made for you, something is made for your sake, the kind and compassionate thing to do is to share it with those around you. So that's my Bereshit challenge for us all. Focus on being compassionate and gracious. Dig deep for patience and kindness. Look for ways to fulfill this biblical ideal of being created in the image of God. Whatever you have to give, find ways to share your gifts with others. I know for a fact that back in March, there were few, if any of us, who imagined that we'd be here having services in the parking lot in October. We could not yet comprehend how much patience, compassion, and grace we would need. But we are here now and we're doing okay because we have this sacred playbook from God, our Torah. It is a book worth beginning again and again and again. Amen. Mm-hmm.